So since Amazon cut their affiliate commissions, it's like the world has discovered there are other affiliate programs. Luckily for you, Mark and I made most of our affiliate revenue in the past few years from these other programs, not for Amazon. So in today's episode, we are going to sit down and share exactly what you should be looking for in individual affiliate programs before you send them your precious traffic. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am with Mark today because uh, he's my partner in crime when it comes to doing effort marketing. So how's it going, Mark? Everything is good except for my hair. I had to cut yeah. it myself. You know, before the podcast, I considered telling you to wear the Atari Hacker cap, actually. You know, like. <laughs> you know I kept one. I, I, I don't normally wear hats because for some reason my head just doesn't suit them. But I, I kept one of them just in case. But I thought, you know, for the benefit and comedy value of all those people watching on YouTube, I thought, you know, why not? Let's just go go for it. So got like a number four on the top, two at the side. So it's, it's the shortest, yeah. but it's been in 15 years. Yeah, I mean, hairstyles are open here in Budapest. I'm kind of waiting for a week or two and then I'll probably go. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess people are going to start getting haircuts again now, which is good news. But that's not the topic of the podcast and I'd like to get to the point. So today, basically, you know, we realized that a lot of people are looking outside of Amazon because Amazon cut the rates. And for many people, it's the first time they venture outside of Amazon when it comes to online marketing. And I think it's going to be quite tricky because what you will realize as you go and walk on with other programs is that many of them are absolute crap. And so there is a large degree of filtering that you're going to have to learn to do that you don't have to do with Amazon. And you will probably regret a little bit of your Amazon life, maybe even come back to it to some extent for sometimes because there will be a lot of shit thrown at you basically as you work with a fair program. So the goal of this episode is just to try to help you not make Many of the mistakes that we've made working with hundreds of affiliate programs, you know, not getting paid, not converting, not making any money, etc. Like, there's been a lot of issues, and we will share these with you. So uh, let's get started. It is a list of 12 tips. So let's jump with the first one. And the first one is, if you're going to be promoting an affiliate program, you don't want to be the only affiliate promoting it because. The chances are you have competitors that have been in the industry for much longer than you. And if they've not elected to promote the affiliate program, there's a good reason for it. And so you will end up usually promoting the same three to five affiliate programs in any given niche because they're the ones that are the most profitable and all sell the least crappy products, which is going to be a problem with high paying affiliate programs as well. They will often have crappy products. So the best way I would recommend to find independent affiliate programs is to look at your competition. Now, you can look at your competition when it comes to random reviews and single reviews and stuff, and that works well, and I've found several that way. But another way I like to do that is actually to sign up for their email list because a lot of competitors might not push might not push an affiliate program on their site, but they might push it on their email list, especially for the high-paying ones, info product, courses, etc. And a lot of money is there, so I would actually recommend you create a new Gmail account today and you go across all your competitors' websites and you you know, sign up for all their newsletters so that once a month you can go through that email list and actually check what people have been emailing and promoting. It's a great way to fish for new affiliate offers. So that's the first thing. Make sure that people are promoting it. If they're not, I would be very, very wary promoting your product in any case. Anything to say about this? 
Uh, no, just that don't try and sort of find hidden affiliate programs that are going to be wildly successful. 99.99999% of the time, it doesn't exist. It's like choosing a niche. Don't choose one that no one else is in because people have already figured out where the money is. So just follow the money, follow what other people are doing. Uh, but I, I think it's a really important point. Uh, the next point, though, is to look at the sales page. Does it have a good sales page? Because the vast majority of products, the vast majority of sales pages online suck. It's difficult to make a sales page, right? For many, many years, I'm sure if I made one right now, it would be terrible. Gail has gotten better at at it over the years, thankfully. But unfortunately, most product creators have, uh, or product owners, sales pages are not very good. You know, if they're on something like Shopify, as an e-commerce store or something, you can kind of Right, get away with the some of their sort of like default settings and, and layouts. Generally, they're they're pretty good on on Shopify and and many other platforms out there. But in general, it's something to look out for. So specifically, you want to look at does it have a good design? Does it hook you in? Does it have a good headline? Does it grab your attention immediately? I guess it's more in like long form sales pages. But even if it's a, a kind of e commerce style product, you know, does it have good imagery? Is it does it have a good name? As if are the features and benefit are the benefits highlighted? Is there good social proof on there? Look for testimonials and just any kind of other trust signal. This can be you know, how long they've been established, where they've been featured. Even on like the checkout cart page, it could be... I was going to say, I would extend that to a shopping cart. Yeah, it could be It could be these kind of the MasterCard, Visa, Amex type logos or, you know, 30-day refund guarantee seals. And like, I don't think there's a company that, that has this like quality seal approval thing that like licenses it out. People just go on Google Images and search for them and stick them on because it's been proven <laughs> time and time no, no, again. No, you can actually... You can actually pay for like some kind of like audit, and then they give you like a real one. But like honestly, consumers don't know the difference, so it's like yeah. it doesn't matter that much. It's been proven time and time again that these kind of signals really, really make a difference. No, I wanted to say as well, look at responsiveness because there's a, a lot of pages, especially for like older products or like not very well maintained uh, e-commerce that are that look terrible on mobile. Like the, the fonts look really tiny, and you need to like scroll sideways to read and everything. That's gonna kill your conversions, especially uh, if you're doing B two C. A lot of traffic is mobile, probably like two thirds or something. So yeah, look at these pages. You, know, you can right click inspect on Chrome, and then there's a little icon on the top right where you see all that console stuff, etc. And then you can uh, select mobile there, and then you can preview it as a mobile. So you don't even have to use your phone for that. You will be amazed. And, and the thing is, like uh, a network like ClickBank, for example, is full of absolute trash sales pages. Like people on like the default WordPress theme, and like no branding, no whatsoever, just like a blog post and a buy button at the end, and that's their sales pages. And they have products on ClickBank. And the thing is, for kind of like um, lower competition niches, they might actually like not rank too bad in the rankings for the products. Uh, they will not convert. You will not make money from them. Don't bother. And the thing is, I think it's going to be interesting for a lot of people, especially for like info products, because when you see the level of how shit these sales pages are, you will see how easy it would be for you to create an info product and actually go in and make like triple the money that you would make as an affiliate, uh, which we encourage a lot of age pro members to do. And um, yeah, sales pages for many individual affiliate programs are pretty shit. Uh, I'm also going to extend that to the products. Uh, oh, you have that later. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful of the pages and check them on mobile. I'll take the next one as well, which is going to be network success metrics. So depending on the network you use, they will have 
different metrics that they give you to try to tell you how successful the offer is, right? So on ClickBank, it's going to be gravity, which is like number of sales in the number of affiliates that made a sale in the last 24 hours, I think. Not sure about the 24 hour part, but like in a, like not so long ago, basically. On CJ, for example, you might have the average basket value and you might have the average commission and they give you EPC as well. But, and this is where I would be very wary. It's very, it's bullshit, basically. Like the EPC you see on CJ, for example, is complete bullshit. You'll see, like, they tell you $200 EPC, etc. You wish. <laughs> you will not make $200 EPC. So you got to be a little bit careful because a lot of networks manipulate these metrics to push. Because the way it works is, like, the retailer makes a deal with the affiliate network and they say, we'll give you, like, 1% of the value of the sale and we'll give 4% to your affiliate, let's say, something like that. But like, depending on how big or small the retailer is, essentially the affiliate network has more bargaining power. So maybe they'll get like as much as the affiliate for some products and maybe very little for some big ones so that they can put the brand and they're like, oh, look, you can sign up for the target affiliate program through us or whatever. Like, not target in this case, but like some big shop that will make the affiliate network look good. And so what the affiliate network is going to do is manipulate these metrics to try to make you push the stuff that makes them the most money by essentially appealing you through these some metrics. I'm not saying all affiliate networks lie, but a lot of affiliate networks lie on that. So these metrics are a little bit interesting. To be honest, another thing that you probably want to do in this case is actually talk to your affiliate manager because you'll probably get more reliable information than you will get through the metrics you see on the dashboard, but they're still useful, basically. So... They're useful, but have a really a lot of critical sense because they will show you amazing numbers and you're going to send traffic and you're going to make no money and you'll be like, what the fuck is this? And uh, you won't be happy. So they are, you should look at them, but you should also understand how they are used by networks to make you push the traffic that they want you to push. Yeah, the next point is how much commission does it actually pay? So look at the price of the product, look at the percentage commission they're offering and work out what you're going to make per sale. Now, that's the sort of simple version of it. I think everyone listening to this probably knows how to do that. But there's a few more nuances to this, which we want to get into. First of all, if it's a physical product where the retailer, the, the seller has a cost to provide that, to produce and to provide that item each time, generally your percentage commissions are going to be a lot lower. You know, we've seen some retailers go down to 0% at the moment in the middle of the, the coronavirus thing. But generally, you know, you're talking about like single digit percentages because they just don't have that much margin to play with. The more profitable a product is, the more margin they have, the more profit they make, the more margin they have, and the more they can offer higher higher affiliate commissions. So that's definitely one thing to bear in mind. Uh, and you know, just bear in, bear in mind as well that the, the commission can change over time. Often though, the more sales you make of a product, the higher percentage you make on all of those sales. So this is a common kind of tactic which affiliate programs use to encourage people to really push them hard because you know if you make 10 sales a month you can double your commission or whatever and that can really make a huge huge difference uh, to how much money you're making from from that program and really like kind of encourage people to to promote it heavily so be on the lookout for that if they have that scale like what you need to to hit in or what numbers you need to hit in order to get bumped up to the next commission percentage level. That also means if they have that, they almost certainly have a degree of flexibility in terms of how much uh, commission they're going to pay. And, and negotiation is definitely an option, even you know on day one with a, with a program like that. Now, info products or information products where there's courses, things like that, where there's no cost to produce an additional 
one unit of whatever it is. Uh, they tend, tend to have yeah much higher affiliate rates. So they can be, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 75, 70%. I've even seen 100% or more than 100% in cases. And we'll get into some of the reasons as to, to how they can, how that can work and why they can afford to go over 100%. But generally information products, software products as well, um, will have much, much higher commission rates. So something to something to sort of think of as well. Finally, have a look at recurring elements as well. A lot of Products will have uh, payment plans or there'll be like a membership model, subscriptions, softwares, uh, like software as a service, a big thing for this. Look at whether you're getting paid a fixed fee to refer a new customer or you're getting paid every single month that they rebill because that will make a huge difference to how it works. Some some networks will cap your rebills out at one year or like for a specific, they're only three months or a specific amount of time. So just have a look at the finer details of, of how much commission it actually pays and how long that lasts for as well. Don't just look at the commission because all affiliate programs will put earn up to $90 per sale or whatever it is. But like you have to look at the, the details of what that actually means to understand how much you can potentially make here. Yeah, because you might make a dollar a month for 90 months or something. And it's like, <laughs> well, it might take a while before you see your money. However, I like recurring commissions, to be honest. The reason I like recurring commissions is because in terms of a SEO perspective, especially if you're writing articles, etc., it allows you to get much smaller keyword and still snowball in revenue. Because let's say you write a review for something that has a recurring commission of like, I don't know, 10 bucks a month. And, but there's only like maybe 300 searches for that review or something. Like it's not that big. Um, but the thing is like, let's say you make, okay, tens, let's say you make 30 sales a month. You make $300 per month. And I'm not going to count the churn for this, but there will be a degree of churn, right? But like even with like this little keyword, you can go like 300, 600, 900, 1,200, 1,500, 1,800, minus the churn. So it's going to be a little bit, a little bit lower than that for sure. But what I'm saying is like you can actually make a lot of money with tiny keywords with recurring commissions. And I, I, I don't, uh, I, like I disagree lot, with that because I don't think it's the fact that it's a recurring commission that means you yeah, make it's more the money high in that sense. It's just the like the the net amount will be higher. You would make the same amount if you if they front loaded all the commissions. Yeah, credit um, cards for example is a good example. Front. Like yeah. you can target small keywords in credit cards because some of them will pay you four hundred bucks per sell. And so like you yeah. then you don't need that much volume. But it's not gonna the thing is like it's it's one thing that people like. They like this kind of like mini snowball effect that you get from the growth that you will kind of like get that feeling from recurring commissions that you won't get as much from the rest. It's nice for your business to have some kind of like stability in terms of income, or you think it is, but you have stability anyway. If you're if you're ranking for keywords and you're you're rank and you're making one-off sales each month, so I don't know. Like I'm not 100% sold on the, yeah, the recurring yeah, yeah. element from you a Philip perspective. Some people like the the security, you know, and it's like you know, like because what happens is like let's say a Google update happens and you tank, you have recurring sales, you're still making money. Yeah, but you would have already have had all that money up front anyway by the time. It, it depends it, on the honestly, it, it it's kind of it depends so much on the industries that I don't think it applies in that. Like yeah. I mean, we've been in industries that pay recurring, we've been in industries that pay a lot one off, and they're usually not the same anyway. So it's like you don't usually choose anyway. So it's like yeah, yeah, not that bad. Let's talk about the next one, which is is the product actually good? And I think there's an inverse correlation between how good a product is and like how high the effort commission is. It's like the hot crazy scale in how met your mother, you know. Um, <laughs> And so it's quite difficult to find something that will pay you well and uh, is also a good product. And 
to be frank, this is why Amazon cut their commission because they're such a good experience, etc. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. And it's like, because they are so good, they know that they don't need to pay as high to actually get people to go there. But that happens for not just Amazon, but many industries. When there's a market leader, when someone that's really good, etc., they will tend to have lower commissions because they know they're, they're owning the market anyway and they don't need your traffic as much. So it's quite tricky because you will often end up promoting an underdog in your industry. And sometimes the underdog is really competitive and really wants to do a great product and uh, it's completely fine to promote them. But sometimes they're just riding the wave and just providing the least value possible to your customers, which, well, depending, it's like if you're just ranking for a keyword and people are never going to come back to your site, doesn't matter too much. But if you have an audience or if you're trying to build something a little bit bigger than that, then it's, it's problematic. And you will often kind of have to choose the, the lower commission thing if you don't want people to hate you. Although Pat Flynn is still here, so I don't know. <laughs> it's like, not, never mind. Uh, is, okay. is that a Bluehost like, reference? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a Bluehost reference. Again, we yeah. had that discussion. That I mean, we, we, not that like, for most people. In, in his defense, you know, we had this discussion, I think, four or five episodes ago, and yeah, yeah. like actually realized we're not so kind of like, we're, we're maybe a bit like high and mighty on our. Uh, uh, take our perspective agree. there. That's we, we, we haven't been like 100% clean in that sense either on all of our yeah. sites. But I do think you you hit home on a really interesting point though is that there's, a, there's really a lot of products out there that pay absurdly high commissions, but they're absolutely terrible. It's because the only way they can get make sales and make money is by paying these huge commissions to people who will like sell their soul to, to refer people. And, you know, let's be honest, that may actually be okay if you have a, a thin affiliate site that's just ranking for terms and sending people to whatever affiliate program. If you have an audience, uh, an email list, people that trust you, people that follow you, then you know, you're know you probably yeah. not going to want to do that. We say that and tomorrow you're going to email a JVZoo to the list or something. Yeah. And, like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not happening, guys. Don't unsubscribe, please. Okay, the next one is... Actually, you take the next one. Yeah, next one's about do you earn commission on other products that people buy? Now, this was a really popular element and part of what made Amazon so good, right? When people would click on your affiliate link and buy, or not even necessarily buy the product you were, you're recommending, anything else they bought on Amazon while the cookie was still in duration, you get commission on, which was great because people love buying shit on Amazon. The same is true for most other affiliate programs. Most of them will, if you refer someone to you know, buy one of their products or to their the website, you'll, the visitor will get cookied. And if you buy other stuff, if they buy other stuff, you will get commission from that as well. Most of the time, not all pro, not all companies, not all affiliate programs work like that. So again, check the details as well. This is not only what they buy at that time, but a lot of companies will actually offer you like lifetime commission on everything someone buys. So once you've referred someone into their into their product in their ecosystem, you can earn a recurring or not recurring, but a commission every time they make another purchase of of things. With info products, this is something you have to kind of be aware of. The reverse can sometimes happen where you'll get paid on the first thing that people buy, often quite handsomely, but you won't make any money on the upsells. So if they're if they're trying to like upsell a higher ticket product or in future things that people buy. Different models, different companies run it in, in, in different ways. Generally, if you're making, you know, 100% commission on the price of the, the product, you're probably not going to make any, they're probably not going to give you any commission on the upsell because that's where they make all their money. So try and kind of understand what they're, what they're trying to do there. And, uh, and yeah, definitely look at how they handle lifetime commissions because it's not something 
uh, that's always kind of published, publicized on the, the affiliate sales page. Yeah, the next one is how long does the cookie last? So obviously, if you've been doing Amazon for a long time, you're used to this 24-hour cookie, which is really not that long, but hasn't been a handicap for a lot of people to make good money, right? Then on the other side of things, there's people that be like lifetime cookie. And that's also bullshit because actually the average lifespan of more than 50% of uh, cookies don't last more than 30 days because basically people lose them. They're not logged in. They're not on, they're on incognito. Browsers like um, Safari, especially from Apple, which is what everyone on an iPhone uses, for example, has massively been pushing privacy uh, essentially as a product feature because Apple makes money from selling computers, phones, iPads, etc. So they don't need your data from ads, etc. So they don't, they're like they're basically saying, well, you're paying us a bunch of money, but we don't sell your data. We will erase all these third-party cookies. We, you will not be retargeted on Safari, etc., etc. And so they've been pushing for privacy a lot. And uh, as a result, Firefox has been following in this pass, and then even Chrome has to be a little bit tighter. So as time passes, essentially keeping cookies is harder. It's it's not dead, right? It's still working. It's just like they're being more and more restrictive, basically. So you, so having a short cookie is a bit shit. Having a really long cookie is also not that useful. Usually 30 days, something that we're looking at, especially if the company is running retargeting. Because what you can do is you can send traffic to that site. And very often for like good companies, they will show ads to the people that showed interest on the website. And if people click on that and buy, you still, they still have your cookie and you will still get paid a commission, which means that it will increase conversion rate and will like increase the exposure of that person to the product. And they will come back and buy later, which is when longer cookies kind of make sense. Because otherwise, most people will just go on the site once and not buy. Maybe some will, buy, will come back and buy. But the retargeting together with longer cookie is really what makes it uh, makes sense. So basically, I would say try to go for something that's one to two months cookie. Don't get it too excited by your lifetime cookie because most of them will disappear. And then, well, 24 hours on Amazon, they can afford it because they convert so well. So that's basically it. That's it on cookie. Also on cookies, you got to think about are they first touch or last touch? Now, there's a two different attribution models for who to credit when a sale, sale comes in. So imagine there's two people that both have affiliate links, two websites, and a user goes through both, clicks on one website, clicks on the affiliate links, clicks on the other, clicks on the affiliate link. Who should get paid in that situation? Well, the affiliate program will have rules to define this. First touch is the first person who cookied a user will get attributed with the sale. Last touch, the last person, surprisingly enough. But it makes a big difference for how you, depending on what type of site you have and for how well that's going to do. So first touch is better if you have an audience and you're promoting something that people don't know about. So if I'm introducing someone to a new product, then ideally I would have a first touch cookie because maybe I'm introducing them. They're not buying right away. They're checking out. Maybe they read some more reviews, learn, read up on, on the product, read up on the, the industry a bit before making their purchase decision. And as they're doing that, they have options to click on other affiliate links. And in a first, first touch cookie situation, I'm going to get credit for that, which is great. Last touch, on the other hand, is much better if you are sniping search terms. So if you're ranking for such and such review or uh, any kind of roundup review, you know, best X or Y type terms, then if you have a last touch attribution model, then the person who's introduced the person to the product, built the trust, made that recommendation initially. They get nothing. Uh, they get nothing. <laughs> you're, you as the person who they've just searched for, let's just double check that it's okay, found your review, clicked the link. 
you get the commission in that case. So have a, have a look at attribution models. It can make a big difference. The other thing is last touch opens the door to the affiliate program doing some more sort of shady stuff. I've seen instances where retargeting, sa- yeah. yeah, well, sales pages <laughs> will actually have their own affiliate links on it in some in some situations. Retargeting ads too. Retargeting ads that have affiliate affiliate links rather than like their own, the company's own affiliate links to their own product. So they rather- raise your cookie, yeah. and then you don't get paid basically. Yeah. So it doesn't happen very often, but it's just something to, to sort of be on the lookout for as well. Yep, and people do do that, right? It does happen. Uh, it's not something that's like you will hear in the nightmare story. So I've seen that multiple times. It's basically like they, you, they acquire cold traffic from you for free. They retarget them. I mean, not for free because they'll pay you people who check out right away maybe. Although, yeah, people do that as well. The link to the checkout sometimes is an affiliate link as well. Yeah. Um, and they just like essentially recookie everyone and they pay you nothing. So th- this kind of stuff happens. As you work with like smaller, shadier companies, you know, you complain about Amazon, wait till you see this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is, um, let's actually talk about integrity, etc. because I think it goes well together. I'll let you take this one as well because you prepared it. Yeah, so you want to look at, does the business have an integrity? I mean, we talked about promoting good products and bad products. Is it kind of scammy? If they are a shady fly-by-night operation that you know locks people into recurring subscriptions that they can't get out of, sells shady products that don't work, uh, you know, sugar pills for a diet or whatever, these kind of companies will tend to scam their affiliates as well. Uh, so if, is that someone you really want to be doing business with? You have to ask yourself. Very famous marketer. I'm not going to name his, his name. It rhymes with Rye Mopez, though. He, you've probably seen his Instagram adverts for his courses. But a friend of mine promoted one of his courses, which was actually good. Not all his courses are bad, which is actually good as an affiliate. And they're just really, really bad at paying out. You know, Randomly, they'll just say, oh, this, this purchase didn't qualify, so we're discounting it. And then they won't get paid. They won't pay their affiliates for like three months. And then you know, after seven emails, they'll they'll finally do it. A couple of episodes ago, we had Miles Beckler on the show, and he was having a go at uh, Hostgator, Bluehost, and the company behind those hosting companies for like just discounting loads and loads of affiliate commissions for just random reasons. It seems like they just skim a lot of commissions. Um, or, or you know, cut a lot of or disqualify rather a lot of of sales so that they make more profit, so you make less money. Yeah, you really got to be careful with this. As I said, ask yourself: Do you want to get into business with this type of company? Because ultimately, they can just not pay you, and there's very little you can do about it at the end of the day. So yeah, keep yeah. that in mind. I think there's another type of companies as well, and that's the companies that have an affiliate program, have good intentions but dedicate absolutely no resources to it. And then just will end up not paying you because they're just not paying attention or because it's like the fifth job of like the intern guy that manages that, etc. Happened for us, actually. I checked one of our field programs that I know is doing that and they didn't approve our commissions since January. So <laughs> that gives you an idea. Uh, all this stuff is pending and we're not, we're not going to get paid for a while. Um, and so companies will do that and it's like, they, they will eventually pay you but you will have to follow up with them most a lot. of the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. It's like you will have to follow up with them a lot and you have no idea when they will pay you. They will pay you three months after they said they would pay you. So it's like they don't intend to scam you, but because you're so low on their priority list, they just like, yeah, you get very little attention. And especially like some companies that started affiliate programs as well. 
We've seen that at the beginning where they were not, it was not in place and there was no process, etc. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there's several that we've been working with even recently that have been working that way. And, uh, and if you are tight on cash flow, if you need this money to invest in your site, etc., that could be a problem. Or if you need this money to pay salaries and so on, like, yeah, relying on these companies, it's putting you at risk despite them not intending any harm to you in the first place and then seeming to be respectable initially. So Another interesting thing that I, I saw recently is there was an affiliate who, who wrote like a negative review. It was totally honest and accurate, but it was a negative review. And the, the company actually like threatened legal action for like slander and, and all this kind of stuff. And because it was a bit of a scammy product at the end of the day, I think. So you just got to be, again, who are you getting into bed with when you're starting an affiliate relationship? If it's someone, if it's someone you, you don't think you can trust, you know, 100%, then there's a chance that something like this can, can kind of happen. So be careful out there. Yeah. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah. So the next one is to talk about, like, how do they work with international traffic? So... Most products you're out there promoting, most people listening to this are probably going to be focused on on US or kind of English-speaking world just by the fact that we're, we're English. But it's the biggest market, right, for affiliate, market, um, affiliate marketers out there. It's interesting, though, because some products, more often physical products, but it can be um, some info products and stuff as well. But some products are not available in every country in the world. So what does that company do? What does the vendor do? when they get a visitor from Nigeria or South Sudan or, or somewhere like this where they, they don't ship to and they, they don't want to deal with because they have so much fraud there or whatever. And this is not just, not just necessarily like third world countries, but it can be, you know, Germany. They don't ship to Germany. They only ship to US and Canada or something like that. You have to be careful and you have to check what they do with this traffic because sometimes it can just be like, sorry, we don't sell it. So we can't ship to you. Sign up to our mailing list or whatever. And that's fine. Sometimes, though, they can geo-redirect this traffic to some, some other offer, some other company or somewhere else that they're making money from. We've had a situation where an affiliate, it was fine, you know, all legit looked good for U.S. traffic, uh, Canada and Australia as well. But anyone, out, anyone else, they would redirect them to some really scammy offer for like I win an iPhone kind of thing, and we it, had it, porn it, as well. We had porn redirects on some offers. That was a problem. <laughs> yeah. So again, it goes back to like the integrity thing we we're saying in the previous point. But you just have to be really careful and you know check if you have a VPN, log in from different countries, see where they're they're sending people. Some pretty big affiliate networks do that too. FYA, um, yeah. It's like affiliate networks need to be very careful. It's kind of like part of the optimization. They will just take your junk traffic, what they call it, because they can't like. And you won't get paid anything by the way. If like yeah. if that guy gets to, if someone gets to that porn offer, <laughs> not only it's is the it affiliate porn, network, but, but you don't even get paid. <laughs> so it's like you've got to be careful and yeah a lot of um, the shady affiliate networks you understand what I mean when you log on the affiliate dashboard you know it's a shady affiliate network when you, you see the dashboard you know it they do that a lot so I recommend you use a VPN and you click on your affiliate links and this way you'll be able to see where they take that traffic and you might be surprised sometimes. So what you what you can do, by the way, to avoid that let's say you want to promote an offer but they do this kind of shady redirect and there's no other way to promote the offer 
you need to set up your own redirects, GeoIP redirects. So you can use something like ClickMagic, for example, where you can set the countries and you can set the URL it sends people to. You know, one thing, let's say you don't have a product, maybe you can send people to an opt-in page for you for your email list, for example, and you can like capture emails or something like that. You can kind of like make that junk traffic a lot cleaner and avoid the drama because you know, when you get a lot of traffic, like people would then start posting the screenshots on Reddit and stuff like that and like complain on forums, uh, add you to the scan, list of scam websites that Google uses yeah, to yeah. actually for the algorithms and so on. And you got to be really careful because a lot of people be like, well, I don't care, like traffic from this country, et cetera. If you get caught doing that and you have enough traffic and you get enough traction, you will get called out and you will pay for it in one way or another. So yeah, be careful, basically. We had a, a I don't think it was an affiliate, I think it was an, a type of ad network we had that was putting putting certain like scammy offers on and it ended up our whole site got like a, a, fish, did that as well. uh, a phishing uh, warning on it for a few days, which was like Like Webmaster's console would like pop it up. It's like they, they actually Google picks it up, right? So uh, I think it's by Salads, right? I think we had it like semi-automated and someone bought a banner and like, it was shitty. Yeah. Like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so the next point is around how fast you get paid. Now, affiliates often, affiliate programs often take take quite a while to, to pay out. The better ones will pay you out in seven to 14 days, depending on uh, what it is they're selling. Remember, if it's an info product, if they have any kind of refund policy, usually the commissions won't sort of kick in until till after them. After then, a lot of smaller programs will just pay you out manually once a month, or even less so if they're not really on top of things. Look for automated payouts as well. It just makes things easier, and it, you avoid getting into situations where uh, they haven't paid you for months, and you're trying to chase it up, and you know it can be can be a bit of an issue. Um, I know for people who are sending paid traffic to affiliate programs, this is a huge, huge problem that they have to like, you know, can really affect their cash flow and stuff. So they have to be really, really careful about that. But yeah, that's something to to sort of bear in mind. The other other thing as well is like, how do you get paid? So PayPal is a very, very common payout method, especially for like in the digital marketing space that we're in, just because everyone has PayPal. Obviously, bank transfer is very common as well. If you're using, if you're getting paid from like a different country, say you're in the UK and you're getting paid in dollars, make sure to use something like TransferWise so you can receive foreign currency at a better exchange rate and move it around. We used to have to have to use this when uh, we sold on like Amazon Canada and stuff like that. Uh, so it's it's worth definitely worth keeping an eye on, on on that as well. A lot of companies now, a lot of affiliate networks will pay you out via Payoneer. I think ShareSale is a big one for this. Uh, it's one of Payoneer basically creates deals with these affiliate networks where you can get paid often cheaper, so without any fees, directly to your Payoneer account. So then Payoneer will pay the affiliate program or uh, some money, a kickback for them to do that, uh, knowing that they'll make some money off of you in the fees that they charge when you spend it or withdraw it or whatever. So just look at where you're kind of bleeding money with, with this whole process as well and try to kind of minimize that as, as much as possible wherever you go. Is there anything people need to be worried about in terms of like the, the forms, like non-US resident stuff, et cetera, that you have to yeah, fill this when is, you sign up? Yeah, know? so any US-based affiliate program, US company will make you fill in one of these kind of W9 or W8 type forms. This is used to identify who they're actually transacting with. So are you a resident of the US? Are you a company somewhere else? Like where are you paying your taxes? They need to know that because if they don't have that, 
then uh, legally they're obliged to withhold a, per, a certain percentage of the money. Even if they do have some of that information, if you're like not a business, they're still legally with, uh, required to withhold a certain percentage, but it's just less of a percentage. This is why if you ever fail to fill in your tax form on the tax survey that Amazon does, Amazon will actually scalp 30% of your commission. I mean, they're paying it to the government, but you lose that money. There's no way to get it back uh, retrospectively. Uh, so make sure most affiliate programs, affiliate networks will make you fill this in either as you sign up or the first time you get paid as well. Uh, and actually on that point, if you're dealing with a European company, we promote Surfer SEO. Uh, they're based in Poland and Poland has this crazy law that you need to have this like tax residency certifi certificate even within the EU for your company. So I'd never even heard of it before, but we had to go and get this piece of paperwork from the government just so nice, we could yeah. get paid out. And in other countries, happening like Hungary and Romania, Eastern Europe, a lot, they're very, very strict on their invoicing process. So they can't, they won't just send you the money. You have to create an invoice. It has to have their VAT info, their exact address. All the details have to be perfect. And then you have to send that invoice to them before they will pay you. It's just their local rules. It's how the government requires them to do business. So you have to kind of you know, deal with that in, in certain circumstances. Yeah. So any last tricks for people? Anything else that you want to say before we close it? No, I think we covered a lot here. Well, one thing I did not cover, though, is that people should click the like button if they're on YouTube, subscribe if they're there as well, and you can also check it out on, you check the podcast out, sorry, on the audio platforms, so like Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts if you want. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'll see you next week with another episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. Have a good week. See you next Monday. Bye.